1975, Jaws was released. It is routinely regarded as one of the greatest films of all time and is generally credited with creating the concept of the summer blockbuster. In 1978, in an obvious cash grab, Jaws 2 was released, failing to have lightning strike a second time, but presenting a generally enjoyable film. In 1983, Jaws 3D was released, shamelessly attempting to take advantage of a gullible audience. By 1987, there was no pretense of quality as Lorraine Gary and Michael Caine cashed paychecks for sleepwalking through a pointless and incredulous sequel. In 2016, Paul Spatero created Is It Jaws, in which he and a group of rotating guest hosts discuss new and old movies and place them up against the Jaws scale, which ignores some elements of the actual films and sets forth a rating scale. Jaws, an all-time great classic film. Jaws 2, an enjoyable film with some flaws but worthy of multiple viewings. Jaws 3, a moderately enjoyable film. And finally, Jaws 4, a bad movie. Please join Paul and his guests as they ask the ever-important question, Is it Jaws?
Hello, everybody, and welcome to Is It Yours? I'm Paul Spataro, and after much, much scheduling difficulty, I have finally able to. I, I have. I am finally able to find time uh, that is mutually acceptable to get my friend Zaki Hassan on with me again. Uh, welcome aboard, Zaki. Hey, how's it going? It's going good, and uh, I'm glad we finally got a chance to talk. You know, this this episode, it's kind of stretching the uh, the boundaries of Is It Yours a little bit, because, you know, they came on as a movie uh, review program, but, you know, I've, I've done uh, a couple of miniseries things, you know, from TV, and uh, recently we covered the uh, the Get Back uh, documentary on, on HBO, uh, was it? On? Yeah, on HBO Plus. Uh you know, with the Beatles, and so so we do expand a little while. But you, this one is is kind of Zacky driven. Uh, <laughs> you, you and Brian were talking on your show about how you were watching uh, ER, and then when you finished ER, you you moved over to NYPD Blue, and I was looking for something to watch, uh, you know, in, in in my with my extra time, and and I had seen uh, the first few seasons of NYPD Blue when they were actually on. And I, I remember, you know, how much I enjoyed it at the time. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to start that from scratch and go through it. Uh, now, NYPD Blue <laughs> ran from September of 1993 to March of 2005. There are 261 episodes <laughs> over 12 seasons. So it was no minor undertaking. Uh, but I got to tell you, I, like I said, I watched the first few seasons. I think I fell off once Jimmy Smith's left. Uh but I really thoroughly enjoyed watching this. And, uh, you know, you and I have been talking for quite some time about trying to find a time where we could just talk about it a little bit. And obviously we can't go through individual episodes, but we could talk about overall the series and how it how it progressed and what it did. And uh, my first thing is, was this your first full watch through or were you watching this when it was first on? Because I know you were, you know, you're fairly younger than me. I don't know if you it would have been uh, something that would have been acceptable for you to watch when it was first airing. So, so I was a freshman in high school when NYPD Blue started, and I was probably not allowed to watch it, <laughs> uh, but I did anyway. You know, it it came on at nine p.m. Uh, Chicago time, and usually, uh, you know, my parents were asleep, whatever. So I would just I, I watched it. Uh, semi-regularly during the first season. I really started watching regularly in the second season when, when Jimmy Smith came on. And, and I did fall off in the initial viewings after he left, but I came back for the last couple of years. Hmm. Okay, so, so you, you I, so more than I did in the first run. Yeah, I mean, I, I very distinctly remember watching the final episode and, and being, you know... Uh, sort of uh, melancholy, you know, like mm-hmm. uh, you know, I was saying goodbye to my friends for the last time. Uh, and it's crazy to think because, you know, I, it started when I was a freshman in high school and it ended when, uh, you know, I had been married for like two years. You know, so yeah, it's, well, like, it's, it's a, a huge <laughs> span for, for a dramatic TV show. I mean, there are others that have done that, but it's still very, very impressive, especially with the cast changes that they had. Yeah, and and watching it back to back with ER, but ER which lasted fifteen seasons, by the way. So you get around to NYPD, you're like, oh, twelve is that it? But, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it's like both of those shows are so like intrinsically tied in with such a big chunk of my life. Like, I, and then I, I, they're just kind of woven together in my mind. So uh, I just sort of, I, I just, I put an ampersand between them. 
even though they're not connected in any meaningful way. But mm. I'm just like, yeah, NYPD Blue and ER. You know, I just put them together. Just just as like kind of a background thing for me is uh, I was always familiar with uh, Hill Street Blues, which is the kind of precursor to NYPD Blue. Uh, yes. But I never really watched it. I had only seen a handful of episodes. And I guess I did, you know, in hindsight, I guess I made a mistake by watching NYPD Blue and then finishing that and saying, well, what should I watch? And now I'm watching Hill Street Blues. Mm-hmm. I wish I had kind of done it in the reverse order, but it's interesting to see how Steve Bochco, uh, you know, how he had these these actors and then kind of brought them over to the new show. Uh, but NYPD, I mean, Hill Street Blues is a little less polished. It's not yes. not as uh, sophisticated in in many ways. It's you know a little bit more of its time. You know, it was groundbreaking. Of its time. It was groundbreaking of its for its time, but then NYPD. PD Blue broke more ground, but you know it's 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 one of the most interesting things about it is seeing you know in the last well actually in one of the early seasons Dennis Franz plays a part and his character gets killed uh, and then he comes back later on as a different character uh, right uh, you know it, it's uh, Norman Bunce is the character uh, and he's in the last two full seasons and you know appears a little and bit then before a, that a, a spinoff too he got yes he had, he had a sitcom. Uh, called Beverly Hills Bunce, where his character, I guess, leaves the the NYPD, goes out to California, and and works as a private detective. And which, uh, which doesn't that sound like the Simpsons spinoff showcase? Where they, <laughs> like it's this a completely arbitrary, doesn't make any real sense, but for sort of the trying to keep the IP alive, you know? Yeah, but the the interesting <laughs> thing about that is I I you know as I'm I'm now in the I'm almost done with the penultimate season of, of Hill Street Blues, so I'm sort of already starting to okay. think, what could I watch? And I said, well, I'm going to want to watch this. I, you know, I'm, I, I now am a, a, a huge fan of Dennis Franz, and I'd like to see, you know, how he did with this sitcom and whatever. And I look on uh, Amazon; it's, you know, they don't have it out there. I'm, I'm looking on all the streaming services; none of them are showing it. And now I finally found uh, they aired nine episodes, and then it was canceled. But they filmed thirteen. All thirteen episodes are available for free on youtube so when i finish hill street blues i'm going to watch all of those and uh, i'm I'm curious to see what i'm going to think of that uh (laughs) because it's such a change in tone but i'm going to leave that as you know my my hill street blues slash dennis franz uh background and let you know we'll go into nypd blue and the hook you know that nypd blue had that was never done was you know the blue uh, kind of, you know, said it was going to be a little bit sexy, uh, and yeah. and in the earlier seasons they clearly, you know, every not every episode but most episodes had a scene where you'd, you know, you'd see somebody's butt or something, and I guess you know especially <laughs> if you were younger it's a little titillating and you know, but but it really didn't do it justice to have that be the hook because the show was so much more than that. Yeah, I agree. You know, it, it's, you know, that was the way to get people to watch. And then, you know, once they're watching, you didn't need it anymore. And, and clearly Bochco understood that because as it went on, uh, they did less and less with that. You know, they, they really didn't have very much in the later seasons. Uh, but, you know, early on, I think, you know, he knew Dennis Franz from working with him on these other shows. And he was, I guess, a fan of working with him. So he, you know, he had him in the second banana role uh, to David Caruso, who immediately took off as the star of, of yeah. the uh you know of the of the show uh 
and and left after just you know one season plus a couple of episodes. Uh, and I, I assume he had to break his contract because he probably was contracted for more than one season. Uh, you know, and, and he, he kind of fizzled out in the movies and eventually, you know, found his way over to, I believe, a CSI show. Uh, but it, it's funny how his, his star rose so much with this and and then, you know, fell uh, so quickly, you know, in, in the movies. Uh, yeah. But I guess either Dennis, uh, either Steve Bochco or... The studio did not have enough confidence in Dennis Franz to be the main guy, uh, so they immediately brought in Jimmy Smits, who took over the show again. You know, you know, he 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 was already a star of sorts, uh, and just continued in that vein. There was there was no point where you know where he was second banana. Dennis Franz was still second banana until yeah. Jimmy Smits, who I think did four four, maybe five seasons, uh, he left off in one of the most emotional episodes I've ever seen of any yep. show. Uh, yep. And then then it was, uh, you know, it, it, it they brought in uh, Rick Schroeder. And that was probably the biggest stumble for the show, was Rick Schroeder <laughs> never seemed to really mesh. The episodes were not bad, but it, he, he never seemed to mesh. His his character was not particularly well sketched out, and I don't think as an actor he was up to the standards of that ensemble, you know. Yeah. And and so so it was. I mean, it was it was an immediate downshift to the point that when you go through the show, there's like this two and a half season, you know, a pothole that you sort of have to get through, and it, and it helps that by then. You know, Andy was the main character, so so it's the Andy stories that always made it worth watching. But the, but the Danny Sorensen stuff was just like, oh my god, like let's okay, let's let's get past this. You know, they it, it was it was really uh, I think I think it, it it coincided with David Milch sort of um, just getting overwhelmed and eventually leaving, and so he got. Maybe shortchanged a little bit, but I think it says something about the structure that was so solid by then that you really didn't need uh, Rick Schroeder to carry that show, and I think that helped. Yeah, and, and I'm, uh, you know, in, in hindsight, it could be easy for a short-sighted executive to look at it and say, you know what, David Caruso left, we got Jimmy Smith, we were lucky to get him, uh, and then Jimmy Smith left and the show went downhill, so therefore, uh, you know, it's not worthwhile. It would have been real Mm -hmm. easy for them to do that. But I think, you know, you you had people who were insightful enough or Steve Bochco was uh, influential enough uh, to push to them to show them that, that, you know, that, that Andy, as the main character, was carrying this show. Uh, and then they brought in Mark Paul Gosselaar, uh, who who fit in better, but they continued with the, this is the Andy Sipowicz show. Uh, even though it's right. an ensemble, he was the main, right. the main grab, and he carried it for the rest of the show uh, yeah. so well. I mean, uh, I'm just, I was so impressed with how, how he did. Uh, and the story, you know, it, it was... Like I said, you, you can't really talk too much about individual episodes, but there there were mm-hmm. a few that stood out. Uh, you know, one is when when Andy's son got killed. Uh, one is when when 
Jimmy Smith's character died. Uh, spoilers, by the way. Uh, <laughs> you know, there, there were a bunch of things, and then and then in the ending, you know, eventually, uh, for anybody who you know who, who's interested in seeing this and doesn't want to know what happens, uh, you know, you you may want to tune out for a little while. But but you know, Andy becomes the boss of the of that particular station house. Uh, of the detective squad, at least of that station squad, house, yeah. Uh, yeah. and and you know immediately stretches his his wings a little bit and and gets on the nerves of of the police commissioner. So uh, you know he he doesn't change the way he is, and and it's it's just such a satisfying ending. There are so few shows that truly ended satisfyingly, and this yeah. is one of them. Agree. You know, and we yeah. Go ahead. No, I, just to echo what you're saying, you know, I think I, th- I think Andy Sipowitz is one of the great all-time TV characters uh, ever. You know, I think I think not merely in terms of the shades and textures that he was imbued with through the writing, but what Dennis Franz did to make us adore Andy, right? Mm-hmm. And and it's it's almost a challenge. It's a gauntlet that the show throws down because almost the first thing he says on the show is "Ipsy this, you pissy little," you know, to, to someone who like, eventually becomes his wife. <laughs> that, that's right, you know, and and so to some extent, the show is daring you to like him, right? And and I mean, by the end, you know, uh, in in one of the next to last episodes, you know, he's when he's talking to the chief of detectives or whoever it is to, to become boss, you know, and he's like, this is the last job I'm ever going to have. And, you know, you, and you see the authenticity and the raw emotion on his face when he says that and you, and you really, you take stock of the journey this character has been on. Everything he's experienced on this show has led him up to here. You know, I mean, I mean, this poor guy, I mean, God, he, he, he's gone through the trials of Job uh, through the 12 seasons. I mean, what, what, what didn't he suffer? You know, <laughs> and you know it's it's very true. I mean, he, he loses his son. He he gets married. He has a baby. He loses his wife. Uh, you know, he and then and then in a very a situation of really subverting expectations, they hook him up, for lack of a better term, with a character <laughs> who he ends up marrying and and moving forward with that you'd never see coming in a million years. Right. Uh, it just, you know, they, they did not appear to be a couple that would work, and yet the chemistry between them builds as it goes on, and and it it is believable when it happens. Uh, yeah. You know, she she was, you know, Andy Sipowitz is is a very down and dirty, uh, you know, street level guy who who tells it like it is, and and you know doesn't put on any airs at all, and he ends up marrying this woman who you know is beautiful uh, and yeah. much younger than him, uh, and and you know, but she's she's got her own uh baggage and and you know it, it shows as as time goes on through the show uh and and she's got to deal with things emotionally uh but you don't see it coming and you don't you would never believe it if they pitched it to you in an elevator and yet as you're watching it it is so believable and it's emotional and it's great yeah yeah you know, I mean, agree more? It, it's just, you know, the, the, the show just had so many highs and so few lows is really what it comes down to. I don't think I don't think there was ever in 261 episodes. I don't think there was ever an episode I watched where I said, oh, that was a bad one. Yeah, some yeah, some I mean, are better than and, others, but 
you know, one of the things that I marvel about with this show, and I guess, you know, the same could be said for uh, ER, and although I've never watched it, the same could probably be said for Grey's Anatomy, or any real long-running dramatic series that's an ensemble, uh, the cast changes in the show, uh, for the most part, were all seem not seamless, but uh, without difficulty. I accepted all the new characters. Most of them were really well cast, and most of their stories were enjoyable to follow. Uh, you know, we, we got to see uh, James McDaniel for a couple of years, and and his his presentation and how he he you know how he was as Lieutenant Fancy. We got to see uh, Nicholas Totoro. Uh, Sharon Lawrence. I'm just trying to look who else we had in here. Uh, there, you know, just a lot of different characters that came. And Henry Simmons. Henry Simmons. Yes. Was great. Oh yeah, he was terrific. And you know, and and I did not think when he first came on, I thought he was a, a square peg they were pushing into a round hole, and yet he fit <laughs> so well. Yeah. So you know, his whole story was was terrific. Uh, and and then you know, just from a supporting level, uh, what's his name? Uh, I'm sorry, Gordon Clapp. I, I, I really, right. you know, he, he was almost like the comic relief guy <laughs> throughout the series, but <laughs> but he presented as legitimate. He wasn't, you know, the uh, you know the, the the joke guy, but he was he was the guy who was, you know, a police officer who maybe he shouldn't have been. You know, maybe he should have found some other some other career to have, but you know, he made a career out of it just the same, and you you could relate to him and some of the difficulties had he had in the job, uh, you know, when when he tried to do, to be a bouncer in, in the, at night, uh, and and you know, just really wasn't suited for the job all that well, and then started to get in trouble with the with the. Uh, you know, with with internal affairs for doing so. Uh, you know, there's right. a lot of stuff that went on and, you know, a lot of background stories that were just, you know, really well handled and, and intriguing. So, you know, I, I just, I thought, you know, the casting in the show was just impeccable, especially with the, with the exception of Rick Schroeder. And even he <laughs> was acceptable in the role. It's not like, you know, we, we say the show dropped a little bit because it seemed a little uneven when he was in it, but it was not, it wasn't that he was bad per se. Right. So, you know, there, there's something to be said for that anyway. Um, just, you know, the show was a continuous narrative for 12 years, but it had a lot of very short stories, some of which would be one episode and done, some which would be a couple of episodes and done. You never felt like, you know, like it was inaccessible. Uh, you know, if you joined this halfway through, if you joined in year six, you'd want to see years one through five because they were quality shows but it wasn't as if you couldn't catch up to the uh to the storyline right which is something yeah i think was missing in a lot of today's shows i i i would i agree and i think i think um when we look at shows like like nypd and and er and even you know things from that era like the practice or something you know you see the difference between a lot of peak tv now where where it's sort of like the the tv landscape has been sorted into heavily heavily serialized and very very episodic mm-hmm. and 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 you know we tend to see the 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 episodic procedurals are on network and then the the peak tv the serialized stuff is on cable and shows like the ones i mentioned i mean they they were able to straddle both those worlds where you could drop in and you could get something satisfying, 
but it would reward you if you were, you know, a long hauler. And and I feel like the the TV model has fallen away from that. Notwithstanding shows like Grey's Anatomy, which I believe I've I've never seen it, but I believe that's doing that. But it's few and far between. I mean, you know, when you you, you look at like like Dick Wolf basically owns network TV, and between Chicago and FBI and Law and Order, I mean, it's a bunch of procedurals. Yeah. Uh, and and I and I love procedurals. I love Law and Order. You know, but. Uh, they 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 do something a little different than what uh, these shows were doing very well in the '90s, and which seemed to have sort of fallen out of favor. It seems like. Yeah, the the one the show that I'm currently watching that kind of fits that model, and <laughs> not shockingly, when we're talking about this one, is uh, I still watch Blue Bloods. Uh, oh, sure. Which sure. has 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 some some similarities to this show. It's probably not as edgy. It's a little bit more family friendly, although not totally yeah. family friendly. Uh, but yeah, I, I I like some variation. I, I you know I don't want to damn the shows with the the long form narrative that go through. Uh, no, no, not at all. Yeah. But I like to be able to have some shows that don't have that. And I find myself and my wife we're starting to to pull a little bit towards watching older shows along with the newer shows that we watch, uh, just to have some one and done episodes and and to have some mm-hmm. you know kind of a little bit more old fashioned storytelling. Uh, yeah, which, which you know it, it's 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 an interesting concept, especially when you look at TV's landscape today, and you know the fact that we we can look at it and say you know that we've we've been in what could be called a golden age of television because so many there's so much opportunity for quality shows with the different streaming services and things that are going on, and I think you know when they adopted the ten episode season, it made it easier for them to bring in bigger stars. It made it easier for them to, uh, you know, to to have budgets a little higher for individual episodes. But I miss the other thing as well. And like you said, there are mm-hmm. there are some on network TV, but it's it's becoming less and less often. That's right. Yeah, I mean the the. The 25, 26 episode seasons are are uh, other than network. I mean, it's just uh, you don't see those anymore, and the seasons are getting shorter and shorter. And so, for me, again, there's utility in that because you get you know what feels like a if, if we're talking about like a six episode season of something, then it feels like a, an extended like like a miniseries. Um, but w- to what you were saying, like I I like the idea of just being able to pop something on. 42 minutes and you feel like you got something out of it when you do something that's heavily heavily serialized it it's reliant more and more on really sticking the landing in order to justify all the time that you've spent watching the thing you know Mm -hmm. and and you know so for example like breaking bad to me is a great example of where like the ending was so perfect in my opinion that it you get to have this it's like this five-year build-up to this great ending, but so many shows they kind of they kind of uh, screw the pooch at the very end, and it 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 leaves a bitter taste in your mouth. And and I think the what NYPD you know and and ER the cast changes that you mentioned allow it to keep reinventing itself, right? So it adds this fresh, different energy. You know, we were used to this mix of ingredients. Let's add this here. Let's see how that goes. So it it constantly reinvents. But it's still it, it's telling a story longitudinally, but it's a le- it's a lower stakes story, right? Because it's it, you know it's the story of this uh, police station, you know. 
Yeah. Oh, and, definitely. And that, that's that's easy to glom onto. You don't. You, you anybody can just jump into that and get it. I think. I think. You know. You could say that the station is the star of the show because it's the only consistent thing besides Andy Sipowitz and uh, yeah. and 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 Metavoy, uh that that's there you for the whole sh- series. I totally agree. And and uh, just a few weeks ago, I was talking to my wife about that. We were watching some clips from NYPD, and I was like, I was like, isn't it crazy how the the station i mean it's all a set right and yet like if you were to close your eyes you can walk through the station like you know where everything is you know what i mean mm-hmm. like close your eyes you go up the stairs you know what's on the right you know if you keep walking down the hall you know i mean it, isn't that amazing how a tv show can do that yeah it, it really is actually and and it, it's <laughs> something i hadn't really thought about until you just brought it up but it, it's 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 a very cool aspect of the show that that i yeah. You know, I enjoy in hindsight the way that they managed to do that. Uh, you know, you, you know, you talk about shows that you know. First of all, I, I I've said on many occasions I feel like Breaking Bad is the single best uh, dramatic series from beginning to end that I've ever seen. So I oh, yeah. I, I, okay. I I can't argue in the slide. So I've, you know, people have told me The Wire, people have told me other shows, uh, and I'm not arguing against those. But for me, Breaking Bad is the show. Uh, yeah. But then, you know, you have shows now, uh, you know, my wife and I watch Ozark, uh, which is, sure. which is, you know, clearly, uh, inspired in many ways by Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad-esque? Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, but, you know, because of the nature of the shows, because it's 10 episode seasons, and because you have a, a lag in between seasons, uh, like when the, when the new season dropped, uh, whatever, a month and a half ago, uh, we were like, well, I don't remember how the last season ended, and you know, you, you gotta you gotta totally refresh your recollection, or you're lost. You can't yeah. just pick up these shows and watch them midstream. They 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 don't allow for that. Uh, so you know that there's something there that I I feel is missing in some ways, even though I enjoy the show very much. Yeah, but you know. It's like I said. I I prefer a little variety. Give me a show like that. Give me a show like this, and and work your way through. Uh, and and I I feel like I'm ill-equipped to in in a short you know podcast to really do justice to say how good NYPD Blue was. <laughs> uh, you know, there, there's just so many aspects of it. I think I think it is a matter of you have to walk into it with a little bit of an open mind. Uh, when I when I started to watch it, do my rewatch, I put on the first episode with my wife, uh, and she really was not on board because she's she's not looking to watch a show that's going to have any type of really gratuitous violence. Although she'll watch Ozark with me, and she watched Breaking mm-hmm. Bad, uh, but I think because this is this was so. Uh, such a, a big task, you know. You, you look at this and you see how much there is in front of you—261 episodes. And then you see, you know, very early on, Andy's getting shot down uh, while while with a uh, prostitute, uh, and it was just wasn't to her tastes. So then I then yeah. then I took the under. I, I wasn't willing to just let it go. So I, you know, in my own time, I watched those episodes and and for what it's worth uh, for anybody listening uh, periodically Zachy and I would text back and forth okay I just finished season five and this is what happened and <laughs> you know it was it was kind of cool to have somebody to to share some thoughts with uh even though I kind of lapped you as we were going because you started yeah. before me but I passed you like you were standing <laughs> That's still right. 
that's right. But it, you know, it, it, it's it's definitely a show that is very uh, immersive, uh, even though it's a single. You know, a lot of single episode stories, and like I said, even when it's multiple episodes, it doesn't take that much to kind of jump on board and figure out where it's going. Uh, but the show is just the same. It's immersive. And in, in the days of streaming, I think it is a perfect show for that, where you could, you know, you could sit and watch, uh, you know, one episode a night for two thirds of a year, and, and you'll be very, very satisfied. Yeah, you know, uh, and and I should mention, I mean, uh, this was a show my wife and I were going through, but my my oldest kid ended up basically watching the whole run with us, and and he loved it to pieces, you know. Um, he was fourteen at the time, and and I was like, well, I was about that age when I watched it, so I I thought it was okay, and. I mean, he's still like, man, Bobby Simone is so cool. You know, like he's still like he he has such a deep well of affection mm-hmm. uh, for for the show, and and I almost feel like he saw it at like the right age where it like set his compass right in terms of what you can expect from a TV drama. You know, right? Well, just just to to go back to that episode for a second, uh, uh-huh. I I think. If my memory is accurate, and I may be off a little bit, but I think, you know, in our viewings, I think you and I hit that episode around the same time, because I think I caught, yeah, I think I caught right. up to you right about then. And I remember, I remember messaging you, like, right after I just watched that episode, and I can't stop thinking about it. And, you, <laughs> and, and all, all, you know, the only response I got was, oh, I'm totally with you. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, I mean... I mean, it's, it's you know, that... Um, that episode aired in, I want to say fall, fall of 98, I believe. And, uh, shortly thereafter, a couple of years later, uh, on ER, you know, they, they killed off Anthony Edwards' character. And I have such distinct memories of watching both of those episodes. And they're roughly, you know, within three, four years of each other, uh, of like, man, this, this is like trauma. Like, I have to work through this. Mm. And, and to, to me, that says something about, I mean, obviously the performers and, and the performances and, and how they made the, those characters so so um, admired, but it also speaks to the benefits of long-form storytelling where you're able to do that, right? Where you're, you're able to draw on this deep well of affection the audience builds up, right? Right. And, I mean, if, if I can draw a parallel to films, right? Like, would the end of Avengers Endgame have been as powerful if not for, you know, 12 years of storytelling before that. No, I totally agree with you. That's it's that's that's right. that's not a bad comparison. And I think, you know, in the current day and age, I think we look at uh, TV as being more cinematic than it was. Uh, mm-hmm. But shows like this had more in common with the movies than uh, than shows like, you know, if you were watching Bonanza in the 1960s or 70s, or, uh, yeah. you know, uh, I'm trying to think of what would be comparable, you know, Adam 12 or, uh, right. you know, whatever, whatever other, the rookies, whatever, whatever other police drama was on. Certainly, certainly TJ Hooker did not, uh, compare to this as far as drama went. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. you know, but, but there, there is almost a cinematic quality to, these shows and then you can you also have the serialized nature of the event of you know the marvel universe so it's almost like the two met in the middle somewhere yeah yeah and and you know i think when we look at the genesis of of police dramas 
arriving at at uh, a show like NYPD. I mean, you mentioned Hill Street Blues. I almost feel like NYPD Blues, the child of Hill Street Blues which had one sensibility in Miami Vice, which had a different sensibility. And the two sort of come together in NYPD Blue. Um, because Miami Vice, I mean, you know, it sort of, it gets lumped in with sort of 80s excess, you know. Uh, and, and it's spoken of in a dismissive fashion. Yet if you watch that show, it was doing what NYPD Blue would end up doing, you know, uh, less than a decade later, you know, it, it was it started there. I mean, that's interesting because I, I I never was a Miami Vice viewer. So yeah, oh yeah, I mean, I, th- that's a show that I've, I've I mean, I watched it when I was a kid, but I've revisited recently. I I wrote an article about it for the paper a few years ago, so that's what really prompted a a deep dive rewatch. And I mean, to me, John Kelly, the character, the David Crusoe character, he's he's a descendant of Sonny Crockett played by uh, Don Johnson. Hmm. I may ha- I may have to uh, put that on my list of things when I'm desperate to find something to fill the void that uh, Hill Street Blues is going to create when I finish it. Yeah, I'll t- well, I'll tell you, if you if you have Peacock, it's on there. Um, and it's absolutely worth watching. I think it's a terrific show. You know, it, it again, it, it's unfortunate because it does get referred to sort of dismissively like oh that Miami Vice type stuff but no this was I mean it was a cinematic show I mean it was doing a lot of the same stuff that NYPD Blue would finesse much more uh, in a in a more polished way later but like Miami Vice paved the road for that well it's it's you know I know we're, we're going far afield, but this is a different kind of episode anyway so I'm okay with that uh, that was uh, what's his name Michael uh Michael Mann. Michael Mann. Uh, yeah. And, you know, he, he, he had a tendency to be uh, more slick in, in his shows. And, and you know, just kind of go, going from there, and it's, it's a show that I would probably blend with Hill Street Blues even a little bit more so. And I'm ill-equipped to, to comment on Miami Vice, but what I would talk about is uh, Michael Mann's crime story. Uh, with mm-hmm. with uh, Dennis Farina, which uh, only lasted two seasons, but I thought was terrific. Uh, yeah, and I don't know if you've ever had a chance to watch that. Uh, I, I've seen a few episodes, but yeah. but I, I I almost feel like like NYPD Blue is almost the byproduct of combining that with Hill Street Blues. You know, it, it's like the yeah. the grittiness of Stephen Bochco's Hill, Hill Street Blues with the slickness of Michael Mann's uh, production on 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 a uh, crime story because uh, because it, although crime story is a period piece in the 60s and it takes place in chicago so it's a little different but it it's a lot of the sensibilities are the same yeah so that's another one i would recommend to people if you haven't seen it that you could you should give it a shot because uh, like I said, it's only two seasons so it's not that huge of an undertaking unfortunately you know it it got canceled so it doesn't have yeah. that satisfying conclusion to it uh, and, and Dennis Farina, I believe, is no longer with us. Yeah, it's such a shame. He passed away. I think uh, I want to say like 2012, 2013. But he 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 was a very Dennis Franz type actor. Yeah, real kind of uh, uh, like a, he he gave off like an average guy vibes, you know, like um, but very very uh, intimidating, but kind of like a, a heart of gold. That was the. That was sort of the character he he could play very well. Yeah, oh, definitely. He, and he was on, 
he was on Law and Order for a couple seasons. He he replaced Jerry Orbach on the original. Well, I Order. didn't. I, I never watched uh, Law and Order either. Uh, oh, okay. But but I did. Uh, I did run into uh, when when I was at, at, in Manhattan at the courthouse and they were filming an episode. I ran into uh, what's his name, Michael. Uh, the, the original star, the attorney who played the attorney on it. Oh, M- Michael Moriarty. Michael Moriarty. And, and yeah. he, <laughs> he was in front of me going into the courthouse, and he was like just kind of lollygagging as he walked along, and I had no idea who he was. So I, being, you know, the, the good-hearted, typical New Yorker, I was like, excuse me! And I kind of like just, <laughs> just kind of got you know, got he got it to get out of my way so that I could go in. <laughs> it's my brush, brush, with, brush with fame. That's really funny. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I I don't know where to go, to be quite honest with you. I wanted to, you know, I wanted to, to pay tribute to, to what I think is an excellent show, but I didn't want to talk about so much individual episodes. Uh, so I'm, I'm not sure where else to hit on this particular thing, other than to say I could not recommend it higher. Uh, if anybody's, you know, interested in it, I believe it's on Hulu still. Uh, and, and you could stream, you know, the entire series. Uh, I don't know if you had anything else that you wanted to add on this one. Well, and I, I, all I would say is, you know, oftentimes the, the stumbling block for people deciding to binge watch a series as well, is it like, is it going to be worth my time? You know? And I think the nice thing about a show like NYPD blues, you get to say, well, it does end strong. But beyond that, it remains strong throughout. And and uh, I think part of that is a reflection of, like, it started out performing at such a high level that even as it sort of settled into a groove and, and plateaued, it settled at a higher level. And it just kind of stayed there. Yeah. You know, you know, and I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, just one last thought. And, you know, I think there's something to be said for the comfort of the familiar. And that's what a show like NYPD Blue really offers. Before I did my rewatch on NYPD Blue, I did a rewatch, and I was I was a little skeptical about doing it, but I did a rewatch on Lost. And sure. when I watched Lost when it was first on, I mean, I loved it as it was going on. And then it kind of, I felt it kind of stumbled at the end and stumbled through the, you know, to the finish line. Excuse me. Uh, and, and it left me with a little bit of an unsatisfied feeling when it was over. So I, I, I had some trepidation about doing a rewatch of it because of that. But I found that in my rewatch, uh, you know, it was the old old expression that watching Lost felt more like it's about the journey, not the destination. And and if you watch that show with that attitude, it's actually very satisfying right up until the end. Uh, I, I agree with that. NYPD Blue is both. It's yeah. it's satisfying on the journey. And when it's over, you know, you, you walk away and you say, I like the way that ended. My only disappointment is I want more. Not because there's anything anywhere that it let me down, though. And and I would say similar to Breaking Bad in that respect. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't agree. And there are shows that have overstayed their welcome that were high quality. And then, you know, because they... they were ratings uh, juggernauts. They kept them on the air and they kept them on the air. And eventually you were like, you know, this this is showing its age now. And despite 12 years on the air, uh, NYPD Blue did not show its age that way. But maybe if they had gone for yeah. season 13, maybe they would have. So I have to say, you know what? It's probably a good idea that they ended it when they did. They, yeah. It, well, and I think uh, 
the fact that uh, Dennis Franz is the through line who carries us through the entire series. Like, if any point he had decided to leave, at that point the show would have died with him. You know, it, it would it would have been a zombie thing if it had continued on. Mm-hmm. So they very smartly, uh, you know, they reached a point where it 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 seemed to come to a gentle conclusion. Uh, Dennis stayed with it right till the end, and so you get this, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, this closed closed circle. You know, it, it's it's a it's a perfectly done thing. They were going to do a revival a couple of years ago, and uh, the premise there was that it's about uh, Andy's son Theo becoming a detective and investigating the murder of his father. And I'm like, I don't. Why on earth would I want that? <laughs> yeah, I did not want to see that, honestly. I mean, and it may have been right? a wonderful show, but I just, I don't want Andy Sipowitz to die badly. That's, yeah, I mean, it, it, that's exactly it. I'm like, God, give give the guy a happy ending, for goodness sake, you know? <laughs> like, like, he doesn't have to be on the show. He can be uh, Theo's retired dad, who he maybe goes to see off camera every once in a while, but let's let him know, let's let, let him have a happy ending. And so just hearing the premise sort of set my teeth on edge a little bit. And, um, I, you know, I'm, I'm still down for a revival that takes us back uh, 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 to the 1-5. But uh, don't don't have a murdered Andy be part of the backstory. Yeah, if, if they if they you know if this production team uh, puts together a show where it's a sequel to that show and it takes place in that precinct and Theo Sipowitz is is you know just just a rookie on the force or he's a you know just become a detective or whatever the case may be and every once in a while he says yeah I was talking to my dad and he says you got to do this and you have the trials and tribulations of Theo Sipowitz I'm I'm on board to give that a shot and see you know hopefully they can uh, catch lightning in a bottle again but I don't want oh yeah my poor dad he got murdered I don't want that I, Absolutely, and I, I don't want him to be widowed. I want him to be, you know, in retirement, living happily with his wife, uh, and she convinced him to move down to Florida or whatever. And he's not on the show because he's not local. <laughs> That's I'm I'm, I'm yeah. good with that. <laughs> That's right. So yeah, but uh, just as far as you know, as far as the show goes, as you know, this podcast goes, NYTB, NYPD Blue is absolutely Jaws. And I could not rec- I could not give it a higher recommendation than I do. It, it's one of the best all time shows that I can possibly recommend to you. Ditto. And uh, Zachy, I want to thank you for for finally uh, having your schedule <laughs> correspond with mine, so that we could make a little time to talk to each other. Uh, and uh, why don't you just uh, for anybody who does not know, just tell them where they could find you before we sign off. Yeah, well, you can find me on Twitter at Zachy's Corner, that's Z-A-K-I-S Corner, and you can see my reviews uh, and articles at the San Francisco Chronicle and also at IGN, and uh, I also co-host the Movie Film Podcast with my partner Brian Hall, and uh, we have uh, new movie news and reviews episodes and commentary tracks. Uh, As we record this, uh, we are about to record a track for The Dark Knight Rises, so... um, that uh, may be very recent in the archives, very deep in the archives, depending on when you're listening to this. But uh, regardless, I hope you will check out the show. I've said on many occasions before that I, I thoroughly enjoy uh, the movie film podcast. And what I'll do is I'll, I'll go a step further on that and say, uh, as far as podcasting commentaries go, I think you and Brian do the best job of anybody that I know of. Because, wow. you know, a lot of times I feel like 
I can listen to commentaries. I, I very, very, very rare that I listen to a, com- a, pod- a podcast commentary and have the movie playing while I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So with other people, I generally feel like it has to be a movie I'm very familiar with so that when they're talking about different scenes or when the, when there's that little lull while they watch what's going on, uh, I, you know, I know what's happening and it's fine. Uh, with you and Brian, it doesn't necessarily feel like you have to be watching the movie or be familiar with the movie in order to to get what you're talking about. So I give you guys a lot of credit for that because that is not an easy thing to do. Well, I really appreciate that. Thank you so much. So everybody should watch, listen to that show, but not at the expense of not listening to mine. Naturally, <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Thanks again for coming on. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and we'll catch you next time. The new detective's administrative aide, Donna Abandando. I have to say that three times real fast? <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Those two together. They're quite a mouthful. Amen to that. Uh, you mind if I stick with Donna? Not at all. Uh, anyway, any typing or filing you want done, that's what I'm here for. Well, that's the best news I've heard all day. Welcome. Thanks. Is, uh, is he okay? Uh, I'm sorry, this is Detective Metavoy. Pleased to meet you. Detective Metavoy has taken a vow of silence till they uh, they sort out this mess in Bosnia. Well, it's been nice meeting you, Donna, and uh, don't worry about it. If he wants anything, he'll leave a note. How long have you been waiting to say that? First thing I thought of when I woke up. Hey, Sarge. I took one in the chest. No sign of a struggle. My guess, for what it's worth, they either took him by surprise or they shot him from a distance. Anything missing? All right, check with the girls. All right, make sure your men secure the crime scene. Is that going to be the last one today, or you got a few more saved up? No, that's it. Good. What do we got? NYPD. Sorry. Uh, no, it's no problem. Uh, did you did you know your neighbor, Janelle Woodruff? Not really. I heard she died. Yeah, unfortunately. Um, we're trying. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, my name is Detective Clark. This is my partner, Detective Sipwitz. Hi. How's it going? And your name? Marlisa Diaz. Marlisa, hi. Uh, so what we need is to get into Janelle's apartment. I don't have a key. I, I really didn't talk to her much. Do you know anybody else who does uh, have a key, I mean, to her apartment? No, she really kept to herself. Uh, is there a super in the building? I haven't seen him, but I just moved here a month ago. Is that right? Yeah, uh, where are you from? Philadelphia. Yeah, that's great. My uh, nephew is a big Sixes fan. You might want to try Janelle's son, Michael. How old's Michael? 13. Oh, are you in school? 
No, I usually see him hanging out at the basketball courts off of Catherine Street. He sells bottles of water out of a bag. Uh, Metaboy, why don't you and Jones go ahead and take that? Uh, a couple, couple of quick questions. Does, does he sell water only, or does he maybe sell sodas? Greg? Anything else you can think of? No, I'm sorry. Can I go back inside now? Sure, absolutely. I love her. Hey, you're my guest. People actually swim in there? This cart's from a grocery store four blocks away. That means nothing. I seen bums push them carts to Brooklyn and back till the wheels fell off. Anyways, uh, let's get back to work. Don't want to have a personal conversation here or nothing. Alright, try and get some prints off her and whoever else might have been pushing that cart. Let's go talk to Johnny Weissmuller over here. Wally Mooring? When was the last time you had a tetanus shot, Wally? Uh, a couple of months ago. Hepatitis A too, so I'm good. I'm training for the Manhattan Island Marathon just to get used to the water chop and the flotsam and stuff. Hey, can we get somebody to put something on this guy, a blanket or something? How'd you find her, Wally? She was just there when I got out of the water. You here yesterday, too? Hey, every morning this week. She, she wasn't here yesterday. No. Uncle. Owner says the guy comes walking up, keels over. Stab through the eye, looks like. Where is he? The owner? No, his third cousin. I got him. Ah. A big guy. Tom Bogle, 32. Lives up the street. Prakash Sangdahar, nice to meet you. Yeah, same here. Tell us what you saw. If I do, you move the body so I can have my customers again? Just kidding. <laughs> of course. He comes stumbling down the street with his hand over his eye uh, and falls down. You being chased by anyone? I did not see that. You seen him around before? No. But when I die, I hope I die in front of his business so he loses all his morning customers. I'm kidding. Alright. Thanks for the help. How long to move the man? Now I'm being serious. It'll get moved when we're done here. We can't move him around the corner? I could grab his feet. You grab his hand. We'll move him ourselves. I'm kidding. Get back into your store right now. You understand me? I get in there, pal. gave you up. Said he owed you a favor. That's crazy. You tell Chris. <laughs> okay, you got me. Been a bad boy. I'll make sure I don't eat dessert tonight. I know about favors. Oh, you do, huh? Yeah. When I was in uniform, I was partnered with this guy, Kurt Kreitzer. We were looking for a guy who held up a liquor store. We turned this corner. Kurt thought he saw someone, so he fires a shot. Turns out it was a woman, a civilian. Wow, fascinating. The woman was grazed, and I talked her out of filing a complaint. After that, Kurt was too skittish to be a cop, but he owed me a favor. Listen, today was great. I haven't had this much fun since, hell, I don't know when. And Dalo, you've been giving me the run around all day. You had somebody killed. At least you could hear my story. Screw your story. Screw your buddy, Kurt. Screw you. Now, Kurt, he wanted a job where he knew who the good guys were and who the bad guys were. Oh, I get it. You came back because you want what Neil wanted. Some young Latin boys. 
but you can't come right out and say it. So he left the police force and he went into corrections, good guys, bad guys, and he's done really well for himself. Moved up to deputy commissioner of administration for all the pens in the state. He's who I was gonna call to get you transferred closer to home, back when I thought that we were gonna treat each other civil. Once you get lost, man. Wendy Correctional Facility, Alden, New York, a half hour from the Canadian border, 10 hours from here. They call it the Icebox Idalo. So you have your family send the earmuffs for those days where it gets 10 below in the yard. And you are there for the rest of your life. Oh, so you're trying to run a game on me now. Game's been run, dickhead. You ship out tomorrow. Wrong cop. Seven male Hispanic POAs, all of them naked. Six of them shot, one with his throat cut, they're taped up, and the door's broken. Back up a minute. They were naked? Buck naked. They made him strip, then killed him. Got him stripped naked, yeah. Unless they were already naked. Why would they have been naked already? <clears throat> Some possible nude sex cult aspect. Wasn't a stitch of clothing in the apartment. So you got no IDs. Crime scene's taken all the prints off the dead bodies now. We located the landlord. He rented the place two months ago to a Joe Rodriguez who paid cash. Was he clothed at the time? Any of the DOAs him? No, we had the landlord look at the bodies. He didn't recognize the guy who rented the place. Any sign of drugs? No, but uh, padlock closet was broken into. How do we know her father didn't welsh and the dowry? Maybe she was seen eating at one of her fast days or something. Anybody hear a dog, Alan? I don't find that especially funny. Detective Squad. How about that haircut, huh? It's like Rod Steiger in one of them Roman movies. Yeah, yeah. How do you spell that? How you making up? I don't know, kid. I can't sit down. I'm trying to figure out if a soda's worth having my next two birthdays on these stairs. Well, what kind of soda do you want? I'm on my way back down. Cherry. Diet or regular. What are you, smartass? No. Regular. <laughs>